0: This is all theater. It's all just political theater. Political theater. Political theater. Pure political theater. Theater.
1: Political theater. The nefarious, significant, and protracted political
0: political political theater for political theater's sake. I yield back. From Washington, this is Political Theater, Roll Call's review of the spectacle of politics on Capitol Hill and across the country. I'm Jason Dick.
1: Madam Speaker, in my district, Protecting people with pre-existing conditions is not a Democratic or Republican issue. It is what people of all political backgrounds are demanding of us as their representatives. That is our mission. That is our mandate. And to ignore, ignore the interests of our constituents at this point is dereliction of duty, plain and simple.
0: That was Representative Alyssa Slotkin. She's a Democrat from Michigan. She's a freshman. She flipped a Republican seat to the Democratic column and is... As Simone Pathé, our senior politics reporter here at CQ Roll Call, calls her one of the keepers of the majority band. Simone wrote a story that talks about Alyssa Slotkin and several of her mates who want to communicate to fundraisers, to voters, to anybody who is paying attention, that Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, who gets a fairly good amount of coverage in both conservative and liberal and mainstream media, That there are more, there's more to the freshman class, there's more to the Democratic majority in the House than just simply her. Simone, welcome to Political Theater.
1: Thank you. Good to be here. Yeah,
0: good to see you. And uh, let's let's talk about your story because one of the things that you know sometimes the media sort of spotlight has fallen disproportionately along, uh, you know, the, seem to follow Alexandria Ocasio Cortez and, and some of her uh, some of her crew, as, as she calls them. Uh, part of this is that she is incredibly charismatic. She knows how to use social media. She is undeniably a star uh, in the Democratic Party. But uh, you wrote about a group of Democratic freshmen who want to sort of say, she's not the only one out here, guys.
1: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And so just to rewind a little bit, the news last week was that the five of them, these are all members who have service background, either having served in the military themselves or in defense and intelligence agencies. Mm -hmm. They have come together to form a joint fundraising committee, which Mm -hmm. is not that unusual in politics. Basically, lawmakers just banding together to raise money for each other. It's maybe a little bit unusual to have so many on the same Mm -hmm. committee and with such a common purpose and to have so many members from competitive districts. But they're really making a commitment to help each other. They all won in competitive seats and to hold these seats going forward in 2020.
0: And let's talk about those five. Uh, we, we mentioned Slotkin uh, up, in, up in Michigan, and yep. there are four others.
1: Yeah. Um, so Chrissy Houlihan, um, she's a Pennsylvania Democrat.
0: Is my mother-in-law a Republican in, in California, and she's completely convinced that I'm an outlier, you know, <laughs> and I'm trying to explain to her and to explain to our communities that I, I and we are not out. We are you know five to one at least in terms of the you know, power of our numbers in terms of our voice and and the, and the centrist you know kind of conversation that we have in our community
1: um, she actually comes from a safer democratic seat if you remember Pennsylvania went through a whole redistricting process so she started out last cycle
0: redistricting I seem <laughs> to remember us talking about that recently <laughs> it's a
1: common refrain in our <laughs> yes. newsroom these days um, her district went from like barely having supported Hillary Clinton 2016 to a ten-point margin for mm-hmm. Clinton so she of the five is the only one one that is in a solid Democratic district. Okay. Um, the others are Mikey Sherrill of New Jersey, the 11th District. That's northern New Jersey. It's my home district.
0: Yeah, Simone Pathé territory, <laughs> as we know it here in the CQ Roll Call newsroom.
1: Um, she is a former Navy helicopter pilot, a federal prosecutor, momed four kids, um, really standout resume. She carried her district by 15 points, um, but it also was a Trump district that he carried narrowly.
0: And th- this is uh, Rodney Freeling High uh, old district. Yep. He was a Republican. He'd been around for a while. He was the appropriations chairman, and he decided, I think... I think I'm done with Congress after 2018, and she and she won the open seat. Yes.
1: Um, Alyssa Slotkin, who we heard at the top of the show, she, as you said, is from Michigan. Trump won her district by seven points. This is
0: Detroit suburbs ish.
1: Yeah. Um, she carried it by about four. Mm -hmm. Um, she served at DOD and in the CIA as well. Um, then you have Elaine Luria from Virginia. She defeated Scott Taylor in sort of the Norfolk, Virginia Beach Mm -hmm. area. Hampton Roads, yeah. Trump carried that district by three points.
0: Heavy she, military district. Yes,
1: heavy yeah. military. Um, she won it by about two. And then also in Virginia, you have Abigail Spanberger, um, another former former CIA. Um, she defeated Dave Bratt, of course, who was a member of the House Freedom Caucus, who mm-hmm. famously unseated Eric Cantor, right? Um, sort of legendary Virginia seat here that supported Trump by seven points. I think that's probably the most and um, roughly
0: Richmond suburbs, right? Yeah, yeah. So yeah. A, lot, a lot of suburban areas. A lot oh, of suburban right. areas. That yeah, are represented. And And as you mentioned, the common theme running through their backgrounds is is some sort of military or intelligence service uh, that yes. they they were all okay. uh, they were all people who were you know recruited heavily because of that. They didn't have a lot of votes that people could suss through for opposition research, and it's also their character was about as unassailable as you could get. They had right. served their country.
1: right and that was. Definitely a concerted effort on part of national Democrats to seek out candidates like that, um, who, as you said, didn't necessarily have a state legislative voting record.
0: Right. And, and it's important to note, too, that they're not criticizing Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez or right. Ilhan Omar or anybody like that. They're, but they're just saying that, you know, we AOC comes from a very safe Democratic seat. And, yes, she unseated a, a Democratic leader, but they could run a potted plant. Uh, and if they had a Democrat after the, the potted plant's name, it would probably win. I mean, like, not, not, again, taking nothing away from Ocasio-Cortez. But that's not where the majority's made.
1: Yeah. And I want to make really clear that at this event last week, where they announced this joint fundraising committee, like the fundraising agreement was the news. They never mm-hmm. mentioned Alexandria Ocasio Cortez by name. Right. Um, but just. Being a reporter reading in between the lines, I existing on earth. uh, You may have heard, you may have heard if if you have a Netflix
0: account, (laughs) (laughs) like you you have heard of the documentary starring her, which we've also done a podcast on, if I recall. Oh, coming full circle. (laughs) We are.
1: (laughs) Um, That you know, the the, the takeaway from this press conference, breakfast, whatever you want to call it, was, was not the joint fundraising committee, it was the messaging that they are trying to convey, as you said, to donors, to the American people. To people in their own districts that um, who might think that they're sort of on an island, that they're an isolated, pragmatic Democrat, they want to be able to fundraise across the country and say, no, actually, look, I have friends who are also in the service Mm -hmm. who think similarly to me. Um, Mikey Sherrill, for instance, talked about. I think we were sent to Congress um, to really lead the country on a path to the future. And then that we do it in a way that we can bring on large groups of people Um, to come together to think about really good legislation. And in my district, and I I think probably all of your districts, that means Republicans. (laughs) That means reaching across the aisle. That means looking critically at how we can build those partnerships. That helps her convey to voters in her district that she might actually have some power Mm -hmm. if she's proving that she's not standing alone.
0: Right. Right. And the, the one of the things that, that struck me about this, too, is that as you said uh, it, a little earlier, I mean, joint fundraising committees they're, I mean, they. this is just people kind of combining forces, right? I mean, right. it's like a double byline, you know, in our newsroom. Right. I mean, you you, um, you know, you kind of split the cost and, and as well as the benefits of it. But yep. I mean, but you don't have to do as much organizing. And they're usually more regional, like, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, uh, like Spanberger, I believe, has a, has a joint fundraising committee with Joe Cunningham. This mm-hmm. is in your story. He's a, a mm-hmm. Democrat uh, and a freshman from South Carolina. He also yep. flipped a Republican seat. That kind of makes sense regionally. You know, it's mm-hmm. the same tidewater kind of area, um, and and uh, you know the Atlantic coast of the of the Carolinas. But um, but no, it, it this is this is a little different because this is like we're you know we're all we're all freshmen mm-hmm. we all have these service backgrounds and we want to show you know wh- that there's there's more that the Democratic Caucus is diverse it's right. it's it is it's a it's a lot of different people coming together from a lot of different areas
1: right. And, and to all these members points, these are the people who won. Right. And so you can argue that, yes, AOC won in an oppressive fashion by defeating a powerful member of leadership. But when it comes to control of the House, right. there are 31 Democrats in Trump seats. These five women are a big core part right. of that. Right. Um, and if Democrats are going to hold the majority. Um, it's going to be increasingly important for the party to hear from members like this, especially as 2020 presidential candidates increasingly cloud the media narrative.
0: Right, right. And, and the, of, so of the five, four of them uh, are in districts that Donald Trump won in the right. 2016 election. Uh, Houlihan, as you said, in the Philadelphia suburbs, she's yeah. a little safer. But is anybody safe in politics now? I don't know. Maybe not. Uh, not electorally. Um, but, you know these 4 who are in the trump districts are definitely targets of the Top national targets. republican yeah. congressional committee because i mean that that's always who you look to first you know there's a there's a rubric you know people from the opposition party you know like who are in a district that your candidate you know won you go after them then you look for people who got under fifty-five percent of the vote. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's there's sort of a standing list of of things that go into being a vulnerable member, and and a lot of them are 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 there. I mean, some it's it's interesting. So you mentioned Mikey Cheryl, and, and again, this is your you know neck of the woods. And actually, are there any woods left in, in New Jersey yes. in that part? Okay, there yes, are. Okay, there it's, are. it's it's not just uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's Jeff Malls. No, <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding, Jersey people. I love New Jersey. I love the Turnpike, <laughs>
1: Jockey Hollow love, National uh, Park.
0: <laughs> I love Bruce Springsteen. <laughs> uh, but Mikey Cheryl won her district, in, in, in very impressive like fashion. She won by eighteen points. I mean that that fifteen, that, yeah, 15 points. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that is that wasn't a close election. But as you said, I mean dynamics change from mid, in midterms and in presidential years. Uh, how how hard is she running uh, in, in in this case? I mean she's set up this joint fundraising committee. But where where else have you seen evidence of them like saying like oh boy we got to really pay attention to our races.
1: Yeah, um, not all of them have challengers yet. I think that's going to be a little bit slower to come on board. But as you said, definitely targets from the National Party right out of the gate. And I think most distinctly, you see it on where they're falling on policy issues. You know, um, Abigail Spanberger said that she is just completely honest with people in town halls. She knows this person asking the question wants her to support the Green New Deal. She is just totally honest about the fact that she is not in favor of it. And Mm -hmm. she tells them where she is. Um, Same thing for Medicare for All. I mean, these are positions that they know are being um, conflated purposefully you know on the right and you're going to see lots of ads tying them in much the same way you saw ads tying them to Pelosi (laughs) um, that you know they can they can deny that they support these things all they want right um, but at the end of the day it's you know they have a d
0: after their name they do
1: yeah yeah yeah. and Spanberger had that that amazing debate um, if you remember last fall where kind of this moment went viral when she stood up and she said and so I question again whether Congressman Brat knows which Democrat, in fact, he's running against, because I am not the Democrat who supported single payer in the primary. I am not Nancy Pelosi. I am not Nancy Pelosi. My name is Abigail Spanberger. Right. Um, and it was, you know, a fight that Democrats had to wage throughout the campaign. And they're going to again with figureheads like AOC.
0: Mm-hmm. I've noticed that if Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez is not a household name at least for people who watch, you know, any kind of political news, then she will be fairly soon because yes, it's it's, it's, it's very very much a lightning rod yeah. particularly for people who watch Fox News. Mm-hmm. I mean they're they they may run more stories on her than <laughs> MSNBC does. And and that will always sort of follow them, but the more kind of constituent work they do and the more, you know, they they land, you know, kind of plum spots on armed services committees and so mm-hmm. forth. I mean it's it seems like they're, they're almost like the the blue dog coalition when it when and had more members and and uh, that that's what made the majority the last time that the, the democrats uh, were in charge of the house back in you know when they won in 2006 they won in a lot of these kind of districts
1: yeah and their service backgrounds were obviously helpful politically you know in improving their their commitment to the country and their background um, but they all would argue that it's really been helpful in terms of just getting things done i mean they kind of openly complained about Other members of Congress who have been here for a while who show up 10 minutes late to a meeting and roll in and are easily frustrated by bureaucracy. Mikey Cheryl made the point that, you know, they have all served in government. So when these roadblocks pop up, they're not deflated by it. They just keep on marching. They right. show up on time. They run their own meetings. And the nice thing about this group of freshmen, the sort of microcosm of the class in general, is that they really are good friends. You know, they were supported by a lot of the same organizations during 2018, whether it's Emily's List or New Politics. So they're used to being with each other on the trail and at fundraisers. They support each other. Um, it's sort of a network, both of you know, female leaders, but also legislators. Um, Abigail Spanberger talked about actually the, the clip that we heard at the beginning of the show was a floor speech that Slotkin had given. Uh, Spanberger was so moved by that that she went home and watched it again before bed, <laughs> <laughs> just to be like so supportive of her colleague. Um, so it, it's it's nice to see that they not only have a, a strong working relationship, but um, that they are, you know, finding their place with each other in Congress.
0: And in general, they they all, I mean, as you said, Houlihan has a little bit more Democratic uh, district, but they're all not only targets, but uh, our, our colleague, Nathan Gonzalez at Inside Elections, uh, he has rated all their races, at least at this point, as competitive. Correct. Yeah. So-
1: only Houlihan is in a solid Democratic district. Um, and so you know, when they were explaining the purpose of this agreement, Elaine Luria from Virginia made very clear, like, the money is for us. It's to help us keep our seats. (laughs) And so ultimately, I think they would like to be able to add some candidates onto the joint fundraising agreement so that they can grow their numbers. And they're certainly already mentoring potential candidates, especially moms or folks who have service backgrounds. Um, But they are banding together because they all need each other's help.
0: Yeah. Well, Simone, thank you so much for walking us through this. I think it's a uh, it, it is kind of interesting to see, you know, when when we throw around terms like joint fundraising committee and so forth, it's good to just kind of break it down and, and and talk about exactly what that means because you know, there there's no shortage of uh, of <laughs> of ways people can raise money uh, and and sort of band together, but I mean, I think this is just a great snapshot of how this particular group works together and I encourage people to read it on rollcall.com.
1: Please do. Thank you. <laughs>
0: Thank you for listening. Uh, You can subscribe to this and other CQ Roll Call podcasts on iTunes, NPR One, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can even ask your smart home. Uh, You can say, hey, Alexa, or Google Home, whatever you say to Google Home, or those things, uh, to just bring up the Political Theater podcast. Uh, and, And you know, it's just a great 15 minutes of your time. I promise, or your money back. Maybe there's no money involved. Anyway, also take a moment to rate us on iTunes. For more on this and other stories, including Simone's, please visit rollcall.com. You can find us on Twitter at rollcall. Thanks for listening.